0: So just this week I received a story from one of our own. Uh, it's a gracer named Anna. She had the chance this week to share her faith with a couple of guys. And then she sat down and wrote me a note. And I asked her for permission to share this story. So uh, she said yes. And this is an awesome story. Listen to this. She wrote this. Hey Tim, I pray for several people I know that are not yet Christians. And I believe God put me in this world to share my faith with them. So, in the first and second week of our series, I've had this overwhelming feeling of sadness for one girl. She's not yet a Christian. In fact, she thinks God's a fictional character. And I don't know when I'll have the chance to talk with her, but I believe God is going to give me that opportunity. This morning, I was with two businessmen. And these are nice guys. One guy said something that prompted me to bring up salvation. uh, The fact that salvation is not based on our works, our goodness. And it sparked a big debate. And I kept reminding myself in this conversation to breathe. Because one of them, one of them wanted to argue with me at every point. And I told him that in the Bible, it's based on if you believe that Christ died for your sins on the cross. If you believe in him. And I kept thinking to myself, you know, as they're talking. What if I'm not saying it the right way? Or what if I should have said something differently then? I had the thought: Christ was with me, and he was speaking through me. And I was also thinking that one day I'll ask both those guys to go to church with me. They're both great guys, and honestly, I, I think I just need to keep really pray for them. Signed Anna. And so, Anna. first of all, Anna, thank you so much. You share a story. It's an incredible example for me and for our church. And it has like all the features that we're hopeful that all of us engage in evangelizing God using us to share the story of Jesus. Think about it. Everybody else, think about what Anna shared. First of all, she's praying by name for people far from Jesus. That is awesome. Then she's watching for conversations, opportunities to bring up conversations about faith. Which is amazing. Then, when she does it, she's getting negative feedback, opposition in the moment, which is actually good news. Then, when she's stressed about it, she's wondering okay, she thinks, okay, it's not how much I know or how much I don't know. It's Christ speaking through me with what I do know. And then she says, okay, by the way, I'm also going to invite them to church. I'm telling you, it's got all the features. Anna, you are uh, an example for me and for all of us. That's what we're hopeful to have all of us engage in. And here's the amazing thing. She wrote this story this week. Anna's story is our story of Moses and Aaron in the book of Exodus. So we're going to be there in Exodus chapter 5 through 11 this week. You're going to join me in Exodus 5. Seven chapters of Exodus. If you want to uh, have a Bible, join me there. Our ushers have Bibles in all of our locations. Uh, you guys that I was just worshiping with in the venue in Overland Park. Hey, guys. Awesome worship in there. Uh, Go ahead and raise your hands. Those of you who are in Olathe at our auditorium, raise your hands as well. Wherever you're at, our ushers will get you a Bible you can borrow or keep today. Thank you guys uh, for wherever you're joining us. I I got a text from somebody joining us from 30,000 feet. I think, I'm hoping they're on a plane, which is fantastic. So we're we're in a series right now. Uh, The series is going through the book of Exodus, and here's our theme. Our theme is this, if you're taking notes. The book of Exodus is a picture of our spiritual journey. The book of Exodus is a picture of our spiritual journey. The things we read in Exodus physically for Israel. Boy, those things actually happened to us spiritually in the New Testament. It was two weeks ago we covered Exodus chapter 1 and 2. We talked about our slavery. Our slavery. Our topic was Israel. We saw how Israel was in slavery to the Egyptians. Which is horrific. We saw how their story is a picture of our spiritual journey. We, when we're born in this world, are born in this horrific spiritual slavery to our sins. That was the first week. Last week, we covered Exodus 3 and then Exodus 4. We covered our Savior. Our Savior. Our topic was Moses. We saw how Moses... You know, saw the burning bush. Moses entered the presence of God. Moses heard the call of God to go. Go to Egypt, share the good news so God could set Israel free. He said, How man, that that Moses is a picture of our spiritual journey. Because we, when you receive Christ, we're set free to enter God's presence also. We also have the call of God right now to go to your friends, go to your family, go to your classmates. Go to your co-workers, go to your neighbors, go to the world and share Jesus, the good news. That's awesome. So that God could set them free like Israel was set free. So this week, we're talking about our slave master. Our slave master covering seven chapters. Our topic this week is looking at the character of Pharaoh. And this week, we're going to see how Moses and Aaron have the courage to have a conversation about faith with Pharaoh. Like Anna. Had the courage of a conversation about faith with a couple of those guys. And we're going to see Pharaoh push back, opposition. And guys, that's a picture of our lives, because if we actually engage in having a dialogue that's respectful and open, at some point our enemy knows we've become a threat, and we're going to experience some opposition in our lives, like Moses and Aaron experienced. And so today we're going to cover those seven chapters in two parts. Uh, First of all, we're going to see the first meeting. Just unpack the first meeting of 15 meetings. Can you imagine? 15 meetings that Moses has and Aaron has with Pharaoh. Meeting number one. Then we're going to cover the pushback, the opposition that Pharaoh offers Israel and the two messengers uh, because of this moment. So let's kind of warm up and you've got to think about this topic. Here's my question for you. Like Whatever your faith background, whether you're like Anna, who's a follower of Jesus Or you're like Anna's friends who are not followers of Jesus. Let me ask you the question. When is the last time you had a conversation with someone about faith? When's the last time? A conversation where you're learning their belief system and why they believe that. You're sharing your heart about why you believe that. When is the last time you personally had an open, respectful, learning conversation, whatever your belief system? You may be an atheist, but you had a conversation about someone's faith. When's the last time? And if you're a follower of Jesus, now listen, or even not a follower of Jesus, who would be someone maybe God would want you to have that faith conversation with? Here's how God works. He puts names in your mind or faces in your mind. Who'd be the person that God himself would want you to talk to? Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, I thank you for this time. thank you for Jesus who died for us, set us free When we're at that battle at the cross between Jesus and Satan for the sake of humanity, you set us free. God, help us to see Exodus come alive for us. Help us to see your heart for us. To engage in spiritual dialogue with people around us. And God, use us in a mighty way like Moses and Aaron. Help us not to give up. Use us like God is using Anna in our church. Not to give up in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's look at the first meeting. Let's look at the first meeting of some 15 meetings that Moses and Aaron have with Pharaoh. Exodus 5, verse 1. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, "'Thus says the Lord, God of Israel, let my people go, "'that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness.'" Okay, Moses and Aaron's message was, let my people go. Notice a couple things about this verse. First of all, notice whose message this is. They said, thus says the Lord. This is not Moses' message. This is not Aaron's message. It's God's message. And guys, that's like us. The good news about Jesus, it's not my, not Tim's message. It's not your message. It's God's message. We're just the messengers, like Moses and Aaron. It's it's what God says. The other thing to notice is this. Why did God want them free? Not just so they felt better in freedom. There was something God was looking for. Verse 1. God wants him to hold a feast to him. To gather together. Together in community with him. That's what God wanted Israel to do. God loves relationships with each other and with him. And that's what the weekend worship's all about. When we gather together, we're having a celebration in God's presence with him. That's why God... Sets us free. God loves relationships and community. Now look at verse 2. How does Pharaoh respond to this? Well, he has some opposition. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord, Jehovah, that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, this Jehovah, nor will I let Israel go. All right, there are there's like 2,000 Egyptian gods in those days. 2,000. And he's never heard of Jehovah. That's 2001. Get in line. And so he's like, I'm not going to follow Jehovah. Get in line. I don't know the Lord. I am not going to let Israel go. As you scan through the rest of Exodus 5, verse 3, you find Moses and Aaron begging Pharaoh. Like we sometimes like almost want to beg our friends, please, you've got to listen. There are consequences. God loves you. He's reaching out to you. In verse 4 and 5, you find Pharaoh accusing the motives of Moses and Aaron, saying, ah, you just want to get them a break from their slave labor. They're my slaves. I'm not letting them go. All right, that is how the first meeting ends. Kind of a failure, you'd think. Nobody listens. No progress. So, I want to return to something I shared with you last week. Uh, There are three applications to every scripture in the Bible. Three applications to every chapter. Historical, doctrinal, inspirational. And so years ago, if you want to experiment with this reading plan, I did this for years, reading through the chapters of the Bible. And so here's what I would do. I'd get my journal out. I'd I'd put the date in the corner. I'd put the chapter I'm reading, Exodus 5, and then I'd read the chapter. I had all types of questions, so I'd write them down. Okay, I don't know who this dude is. Who is this guy? Uh, What does that word even mean? Uh, What is going on here? That became my Bible study list that I'd study out later when I had time. Then I'd write three sentences, historical, doctrinal, inspirational. And for the historical, I'd write something like this for Exodus 5. Number one, historical, dash. Pharaoh would not let Israel go. That's what I'd write. That's what's going on historically. The historical record here is that Pharaoh decided not, tried not, to let Israel go. All right, then I'd write a second sentence. I'd write number two. Doctrinal. Doctrine means teaching. Dash, Satan, Satan would not let humanity go. Okay, doctrinal means teaching. What are we, what is the teaching here we can learn? Is there anything we can learn about God or the future? And there's like dozens of right answers on this one, but for the one possible right answer was that, yeah, this is a picture of the battle between Jesus and Satan at the cross. Because <clears throat> Satan did not want to let. Us, his slaves, go. And by the way, you see that battle, Hebrews 2 14 and 15. Hebrews 2 14 talks about this battle, Jesus versus Satan at the cross says this through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil. At the cross, Jesus won. He defeated the power of the devil. And that's exactly what we're reading Exodus. Because God in Exodus is systematically destroying the power of Pharaoh through the book of Exodus. The other thing that happens, by the way, is verse 15. We get set free back at the cross. And release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage, to slavery at the cross. Jesus set us free. Just like back in Exodus, God is systematically about to set Israel totally free. So that's one possible of dozens of right answers, of doctrinal applications. I learned about Satan and God. Satan doesn't want to let people free. A third sentence I would write. I'd want to apply that passage to my life today. That's inspirational. Number three I'd write down. Number three. Something like spiritual forces will try to not let my friends and family go. Something like, spiritual forces are going to try to not let my friends and my family go. Now, the inspirational application. Uh, there are literally hundreds of right answers here because it's what is the what is God inspiring you to do with your life today? And every time I read through a chapter, I get some inspired with something different. There's hundreds of right answers. Whatever God's doing in your life. For me, Moses and Aaron's story inspires me like Anna's story inspires me that when you share the gospel, when you start having conversations about faith, opposition is going to come. And the truth is, behind the scenes, when you start sharing your faith with people, behind the scenes, invisibly spiritually, your enemy is trying to blind your friends and family to the truth of the gospel. We see that 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4 says this, People without Jesus are people whose minds the God of this age has blinded. The God of this age is Satan. He's blinding minds right now. Who do not believe. Lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Guys, that's what's going on here, both back in the book of Exodus. There's a battle for people's freedom in our lives, a battle for people's freedom. That's one of hundreds of possible ways God could be inspiring you. I read the Bible like that for years. So that is the first meeting of some 15 meetings that Moses and Aaron have with the Pharaoh. These 15 meetings take several months. Can you imagine several months? Fifteen high, intense meetings with a world leader who admits he has slaves and is not going to let them go. Let's talk about part two of our story, which is the rest of the seven chapters. So what does Pharaoh do to oppose what God is doing? Three attacks, three oppositions. By the way, these same three things happen in our lives when we have conversations about faith. Here's the first attack of Pharaoh to try to oppose God. Number one, ramping up the pressure. Pharaoh starts to ramp up the pressure. He doesn't like what he's hearing. So when you scan, just start in Exodus 5, verse 6, you start reading through the verses here. The first thing Pharaoh does is he cuts off Israel's supply of straw to make bricks. That was their raw materials. He's ramping up the pressure on the people. Then he doesn't reduce the quota down in verse 8. You're going to keep the quota. The goal has to be hit that ramps up the pressure on these slave laborers. Then he has these middle-level managers beaten. Like he whips and beats middle-level management, these leaders of Israel. You thought you had a bad at work. You didn't didn't hit a goal. These guys are getting beaten in middle-level management by their leaders. He's ramping up the pressure. And in response, these middle-level managers, these leaders of Israel, they blame Moses and Aaron. Verse 21. And they said to them, let the Lord look on you and judge, because you have made us abhorrent in the sight of Pharaoh, in the sight of his servants, to put a sword in their hand to kill us. And now Pharaoh is is imposing his pressure on Moses and Aaron. They did what's right, and they're getting blamed for it by the people they care about. So what does Moses do with that pressure? I mean, he's feeling pressure now. He actually takes his pressures to God in prayer. Verse 22. So Moses returned to the Lord and said, Lord, why have you brought trouble on this people? Why is it you have sent me? Moses is hurt and confused, so he goes to God in prayer. Now, don't miss this. Moses and Aaron did everything right. I mean, like, like Anna, they did everything right. He's praying, he's having boldness, he's sharing the good news. And the result of him having meeting, number one, the first spiritual conversation with Pharaoh is everything gets worse. People are more miserable. They're blaming him. He's doing everything right. Don't miss this. There are times when you start sharing the gospel that you'll think, okay, I'm just making the relationship worse. And you love them, and you're coming humbly, just sharing the truth, and it's getting worse. That is good news, yes, because your enemy knows you're a threat now. He's going to ramp up the pressure. Our enemy's not concerned with people who don't share their faith. Go off and play with your toys, boys. It's time when you actually share your faith, you're now a threat to our enemy. That's good news. There's another attack, by the way, we see Pharaoh does. He starts testing their resolve. Number two, we have... We, Our enemy starts testing our resolve, number two. So, uh, what is resolve? Resolve, and how much resolve do you have? Resolve is grit, determination, toughness, not giving up, not quitting. How much resolve do you have for God? Like, Satan's going to test their resolve. So, that's what happens to our lives. I mean, are you going to stick to it? Are you going to give up? And so you see, by the way, chapter 6, if you scan through chapter 6, the entire chapter is God trying to encourage Moses after a failed meeting number 1. The whole chapter, it's going to be okay. I can't tell you got 14 more meetings like that. It's going to be, get back in there, you got to have another, I know it failed, a spiritual conversation, I'm with you, he's trying to strengthen his resolve, all chapter 6. Chapter 7, if you look at it, you have meeting number 2. And this time, God brings a visual aid, a prop to the meeting. Try to get his attention. God changes a rod to a serpent. Oh, yeah. Isn't that a great look? By the way, some people can't even look at that photo. Aren't you glad you weren't at meeting number two? God turns a rod into a serpent. You might think Pharaoh would respond with, okay, God is God now. No. Pharaoh's heart grows harder. He does not let Israel go. So you look later in chapter seven. You see the first of ten plagues, meeting number three. The first of ten plagues, which is the waters become blood. Waters turn to blood. For seven days, uh, the people of the land, all the surface waters turn to blood. You can find fresh water digging under the ground, but for seven days it's like that. You would think Pharaoh would care about his people, but no. End of chapter seven, his heart wasn't even moved by this. Dude doesn't care about anybody but himself. And his heart goes hard. He does not let Israel go. In chapter 8, that's chapter 7, chapter 8 now, you see the second plague of ten plagues. The plague of frogs. And I would say, that is the coolest photo I've ever seen of frogs. I love that picture. All those slimy frogs on each other. I had a friend see this this week. He couldn't even look at it. I didn't know that was a thing. You couldn't look at frog pictures? That's a thing, apparently. Well, anyway, here's, here's, here's the nation of Egypt. You can't walk without squish squishing frogs. You can't eat without chewing frogs. You can't sleep without snuggling frogs. Frogs are everywhere. How did Pharaoh respond? His heart grows hard. I am not letting them go. So you read through chapter eight. You see now the uh, the third plague, and this plague is a Hebrew word that has three options. It's either a plague of flies, or it's a plague of gnats, or a plague of lice. And that is someone's eyelashes with lice and nits on them. That picture gives me the willies. I start scratching when I see it. Isn't that awesome? Aren't you feeling the plagues? Can you imagine an entire nation? Imagine every one of us. Everybody's just scratching with the lice everywhere. How does Pharaoh respond? His heart goes harder. He's like, I have grit. I am not letting Israel go. So... Chapter 9 now, you see the livestock plague. You see the plague of boils all over their skin. This takes several months to do, by the way. The plague of hail in chapter 10. The plague of locusts eating everything. And finally, the plague of darkness. Chapter 11 introduces the 10th plague, which is our topic this next week. But my point is this, guys. When you read the story, over several months, you see 15 tough conversations, and every conversation makes life worse. Don't you think about conversation 14, you'd want to give up? By the way, it takes, on average, 14 encounters with the gospel for someone to receive Jesus. We invite somebody one time, they say no, we're like, I give up! It takes seven times to invite somebody, to actually get them to come once, on average. Where's your your resolve? You see, what's going to happen spiritually, if God's going to use you, is you're going to want to give up on the conversation. I've talked to him once. I talked to him twice. I talked to him three times. Where's your resolve? Where's your resolve to pray for them, look for opportunities, and reengage in respectful dialogue about faith. God wants to use you. All right, there's a third attack that Pharaoh does. It's a different kind. of. They're sprinkled into these ten plagues, dangling a compromise in front of them. Pharaoh dangles compromises in front of them. So remember, the call was, let my people go. What is that call? That means that everyone must go. Every man, woman, and child. It means everything must go. Don't leave any property, any money behind. It means you must get out of the country and go wherever I call you to go. That is true freedom. So Pharaoh starts offering, dangling some compromises in front of them. The first compromise you see, Exodus 8.25. He tells him to go, but it's a compromise. Go now. It says, go, sacrifice to your God in the land, in Egypt. Here's what Pharaoh says. Hey guys, I'll let you go, but you don't have to leave the country. Why don't you serve your God and stay with me? Yeah, let's do both. Let's do a both and solution. Guys, that is compromising what God said. That is not freedom. They had to go wherever God called them. In Exodus ten eleven, he dangles another little compromise in front of them. Go now, you who are men, and serve the Lord. Pharaoh says this, why don't all the guys go and leave the women and children under my control? I'll let all the guys be set free. That is not freedom. That is a compromise. There's a third compromise he offers. It's about their money. It's down in uh, verse 24. Go serve the Lord. Absolutely. Only let your flocks and your herds be kept back. If you give me control of your money, I'll let you go wherever you want. You go follow God, but give me control of your money and your stuff. And I'm telling you, what happens when you start sharing the gospel, you're going to be tempted like Moses and Aaron to compromise the message where you want to soften it where somebody's like so what does this mean if i accept jesus cuz you want them to receive christ so you're tempted to say soften it well you know i know that if you just just call them, and you know will my life change that much well it's 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 not so much of a change in your life you're so, no you may have to go anywhere in the world like we just soften we just said well you can stay in egypt you can serve them and serve god we're tempted to offer compromises Or someone's going to receive Christ. And they're thinking, well, do I receive Christ? What about my relationships? The men go, the women and children stay. So can my girlfriend be my issue? And then I'll serve God, but I get to pick my girlfriend. I get to pick my boyfriend. I get to pick my relationship. My, My friends are my choice. They're under control of Egypt. And God, I'll serve you with other stuff. That's a compromise. God wants everything. How about your money? So we're tempted sometimes to say, okay, I'm going to follow Jesus I'll go wherever you want. I'll give you time, my my talents. I promise you, my money is my money. It's under the control of Pharaoh. You just left, and your money's controlled by Pharaoh in Egypt. Guys, those are all compromises. Are you fully sold out to Jesus? Because that, that's what it is. The call is let my people go. And there are times with you sharing the gospel of them that the reality is, yeah, this is this is all in. Let my people go is everybody, everything you have, every dime you have, and wherever God wants to take you. And guys, if if these attacks come in your life, yes, you are normal because you're now a spiritual threat. People who don't follow Jesus, they can go off, sing kumbaya, and accomplish nothing. People who share Jesus are a spiritual threat. You're Moses and Aaron with Pharaoh. You're Anna with those two guys. All right. Having said all this, here's what our hopes. Our hopes are that you're inspired. I'm hoping you're inspired and challenged to to do what Anna did. Think about the five things she did. It's amazing. She, pray, she prayed by name for people without Jesus. Like to make a small list, put some people, names people, and just pray. God, please deliver them, save them, get the gospel. Send somebody, get the gospel. Send somebody, anybody, reach them. Then, being spiritually aware. There might be conversations come up that you could have a dialogue that's mutually respectful about faith. And then, when you're receiving opposition, not to take it personally, it's not my ability to talk or what I know or don't know about the Bible. I can just share what I do know and my story. You're the expert, and that's the power of it. It's the power of Christ in you. And then, to invite those people to church. Like, she did all of it, which is so, so cool. Here's the thing. Our hopes are that that happens for you, but there's in our political climate, in our social media climate, there's so many people who on TV, pundits and people who post stuff that are just, what's the word? Jerks. They're just jerks. And what's worse, there are people who call themselves Christians, acting like jerks. To the point where I wish, I'm like, please, I'd almost rather you deny Christ and be a jerk than to slap the label of Jesus on your attitude of Criticism and judgmentalism, and hatred, and I'm better, and ah! That's the attitude. I'm reading these things, I'm like, seriously? Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. So is there any advice, by the way, from 2 Timothy? Uh, Maybe I'll talk about you. I don't know. I don't think so. I hope not. I'm not looking at anybody. 2 Timothy 2, 2 Timothy 2, verse 24 to 26, has three quick verses on the attitude. You realize the fuel that God uses is humility, arrogance, blocks what God's doing. God actually blocks you, what you're doing, when there's arrogance. He withholds the proud. But he gives grace to the humble. So what is your attitude in these conversations? Look, what it says here, Second Timothy 2, verse 24, and a servant of the Lord must not quarrel. The goal is not winning the argument I watch the news, I listen to the radio, I read things, I read postings, and everyone's trying to win the quarrel for power, for rightness, for control. What do you do? But be gentle to all. You're thinking, but that guy, he's such a jerk. Be gentle to jerks. That's what it says. All Jerks are part of All. Able to teach, patient. Here's how how patient God is with you. People who become impatient, people far from God, have forgotten they were in slavery. When you remember you were in slavery and how much time God went with you, you forgot. You forgot. Next verse. In humility, there's the fuel that runs the car. No humility, no fuel, you go nowhere. In humility, can we just, but we have to compromise? No, say the truth. Correcting in humility. Those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance, that's a gift to turn back to him so that they may know the truth. You're not compromising any truth. You're courageous, you're bold, but you're humble as you say it. Why do you do that? Because your friends and family are slaves. And they're blinded. And they don't get it. Verse 26. And that they may come to their senses. They've been blinded spiritually. And escape the snare, the slavery of the devil. Having been taken captive by him. They're enslaved by him to do what? To do his will. He's using them for his purposes and they don't even see it. Guys, our hopes are that you're inspired to pray like crazy, look for chances, have this one engage in dialogue. I'm talking mutually respectful, where you ask questions. I don't know what to say, oh, 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 breathe. And ask them, what is your faith belief? And that gives you time to think and to learn and to love. And then, can I share what I believe? Like that's it. It's not rocket science. You're the and you share what you do know. God will use He'll power what you do know. And then if there's resistance, you're like, yes, you invite to the church. God wants to use us as missionaries, as evangelists, as Anna, as Moses and Aaron. When is the last time you personally, whatever your belief system, engaged in a mutually respectful, open dialogue about faith? Let's pray. Lord, I love you. I beg you, God, please do a work here that only you can do. There are people who are followers of Jesus. That it's been quite some time. They cannot remember. They've had time. The last time they had a conversation about faith, and they get so scared. But they don't have to know. It's not what they don't know. It's their story. They do know what you mean to them. Their story. They do know who God you who you used to bring them to faith. They do know what you mean to them, and that is the power. God, set us free. Help us to have boldness, and when our resolve is tested to give up, help us like Moses and Aaron to stay in there over and over as you bring up opportunities. Lord, there are people right now, both online, both at our campuses, in this room, people who need Jesus. It's time for them to accept Christ, call out to him, surrender to him, to receive Jesus as Savior, please, move by your spirit.
1: And if you're here today and you have not put your faith in Jesus, maybe maybe you've been co- trying to compromise with God. Maybe you've been trying to say, "Hey God, maybe if I just do this, maybe when this happens, Lord, I'll trust you." Maybe I've been just trying to be good enough. But really there are no compromises to being truly set free. And the only way that we're truly set free is when we put our faith in the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that all those who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so right now, maybe you need to call on the name of Jesus and say, Jesus, I surrender my heart to you. I surrender my life to you. Would you save me, God? I'm not going to compromise anymore. Would you save me? Or maybe you're here today and you've been that person online or in person that just doesn't show love but shows hate in conversations. That you just spew anger and punishment to anyone that discusses anything with you. And maybe right now God is, is looking for you to confess that to him. And that maybe that there are people that are in your online spaces or in your work or in your family that you need to go and apologize to. Like God is bringing to mind faces right now of people that you need to apologize to, that you need to begin to interact with humbly. Or maybe you're afraid to have a conversation. And you need to trust in the hope that you know that God is going to be with you, that God, you're with us, that you won't forsake us, that you'll even give us the words to say in a timely manner, and that we need to trust you, and you're opening doors, but we're not walking through them. And so maybe you need to walk through them, maybe you need to start a conversation, maybe you need to help begin to have a discussion to help eventually set someone free from their sin and their pain and their hurt, and that freedom comes from Jesus. And so right now what we're going to do is we're going to have a response time. We're going to respond to what God is doing in this. Just to give you a heads up, the offering buckets will come by. You can put your Connect cards in them. You can, you can put the Harvest Festival volunteer cards in them. But this time is, is for responding. Like God is moving in this room right now. And I believe that God wants to speak to you. He wants to do something in your life right now. Are you willing to listen are you willing to take that next step on what, what, whatever God is doing right now, maybe in your family, maybe in your life, maybe in your job, maybe in your neighborhood, maybe in the way that you use Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or Snapchat? He's looking to do something in your life right now, and we're going to let him move. We're going to let him speak. We're going to let him guide our thoughts and our minds. So in this time, you can stand, you can sit, you can kneel, you can pray, you can journal, you can do whatever you need. But we're going to encounter God, we're going to respond to him. So Lord, we ask you to move in this time. We ask for us to hear you again, like we started this service out. Lord, we want to tangibly encounter you. We want to taste and see your goodness. God, would you move? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this
0: week's message. If you have questions or would like to contact us for prayer, please email us at info at visitgracechurch.com. For more information about our ministries, location, and service times, go to visitgracechurch.com.